the Sansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. If you missed yesterday, you make sure you grab that podcast at WRQK.com. My boss loves when you do that. He's been on me about it, actually. And not so much, actually. I, I say on me. What I mean to say is uh, he's been talking to me about the podcast a lot uh, recently because apparently the numbers keep going up and up and up. So we appreciate that. Thanks for uh, doing that. Fantone always says it. That if you're in the car and you're listening, that's great. We obviously love that. But if you take the time out of your day somewhere else to be like, you know what, dude, I didn't hear all that. Let me make sure I grab that. That's actually a huge compliment. We actually do love that. I'm in a very good mood today, Phantom. Okay. You know what I did yesterday? I do not know. I left here and uh, with a couple of members of the building, one of which was 98.1's own, Keith Kennedy. Nice. Yeah, Keith Kennedy and I both went on a uh, sales meeting. Okay. And I am proud to say that Windy Hill Hardwoods is now the newest advertiser of the Stansbury Show. Very We're very nice. excited to have those guys on board. We're going to be saving you a ton of money on the cabinetry and flooring and trim for your house, all that stuff. Okay. I mean, dude, thousands and thousands of dollars off. As a matter of fact, I was. So, I, we're going to start this in here in a little while, but I will just tell you this. Yesterday, he showed me a kitchen. He was like, yeah, that would be about 20, and I can get it to you for about eight. Wow. I was like, dude, you just send me, tell me you're going to send me $12,000 off of redoing my kitchen? He was like, yeah, that's what we do here at Wendy Hill. And so I was like pretty excited about that. <laughs> Notice I already got I, it. I know I'm you on do. it. I heard it come out I'm a little it. bit there. I'm on it. See advertisers when, we, when you do this. No, I'm just kidding. But no, they uh, the dude was a big fan of the program. Nice. And uh, they're selling a quality product out there. He's a, he's a little bit of a golf guy, too. So he and I are going to get together next week and play golf. And so that would be good. But I'm very happy to have them on board. I think so many people right now, as you, know, you sit here and we kind of look back, at, at what's happened economically in America recently yeah. and the optimism that exists within it right now. I think a lot of people right now are looking for like, how do I make a good investment into my future? Like, how do I how do I take what I have and kind of maximize it? And home renovations are one of those things that well, pay off dividends if you do it right. And if you can save that money and, and then and the back end get it back to you, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what it's all about. Nothing will sell your house faster than a kitchen being redone. Because when you go to buy a house, you're not like, well, yeah, we like it, but now we're going to have to redo that. So if you get, it, nothing will move your house faster if you're thinking about selling it than redoing it, putting in a little money into it to try to move it. You'll raise the value of your house pretty quickly. That or a bathroom. Um, You know, dude, I had to watch a bajillion home renovation yeah, shows because I just bought a house. Yeah. And like my girlfriend was like, oh, we have to watch this and this and this and the, and the Property Brothers and the Fixer Uppers and all these different shows. <laughs> Listen, buy that. And and the thing that was consistent amongst everyone when it came to what they wanted. Some people wanted a big backyard. Some people wanted more bathrooms. Some people wanted this. Some people wanted that. But what everybody wanted was a bomb ass kitchen. Everybody like well, there's there was nobody was like eh, yeah, the kitchen not that important. It also seems like right now like we're in that shift where like every ten years there's like a there's like a design that people really want and for the longest time it was oak and now everybody wants like now these like white cabinetry and you right. should do that they have thirteen showrooms of of kitchen setup so you can kind of look look Jeez. around and be like yeah and he was like yeah we can mix and match anything you want he was pretty cool you know pretty cool dude so we're happy to have Wendy Hill Hardwoods on Very cool. on the air advertising with us um. Every single hour this pro- uh, this morning on the program, your shot at $1,000, we're doing that. We also have Factory of Terror tickets, and and we'll also send you to see Machine Head at the Agora. That's happening October the 22nd. We'll get you into that. What's going on with you, buddy? You got to uh, give me the State of the Union on Matt Fantone. I, I, I guess the State of the Union on Matt Fantone. Um, the thing I will say, and I guess we're continuing kind of where we just left off in this conversation, um, new home ownership and kind of some yeah, of the things kind of some of the things that I've noticed and kind of some of the like observations I guess I've had. Um, one of the things that I, I've just very much recently kind of had to like shake myself into and like anytime I start to complain or be like, dude, this sucks or I hate this or whatever, I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, first and foremost, like, you 
just bought this amazing house. Second, second of all, like you're on the, the best show in the city. Like everybody knows who you are. Like you're definitely, you know, you've got that notoriety that you've always wanted. So like there's, you know, you're making a positive difference in the community. All these different good First things are happening. First world problems. Right. So like there really has been that. There's really been a reevaluation oh, of me so, to like, to like shut up, dude. Like quit good complaining. Quit, quit. Oh, this sucks or that sucks or whatever. This isn't perfect. It's like you've got it pretty goddamn good. Yeah, you do. Um, one of the things I've noticed since I bought this house and, 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 and everything that's come along with it, you, you always talk about how there's a difference in neighborhoods that are primary renters and a difference that of primary homeowners. Yeah, that's true. There and is. the thing that I've noticed, and, and I guess what's kind of illustrated that to me is like when I lived in rental properties, I wasn't like a bum. Like I didn't like I didn't like not take care of my house and like literally intentionally, but like I didn't take the same care that I do now, where it's like yesterday I was cleaning one of the bathrooms. And usually it's just like, yeah, you wipe up the toilet, you wipe off the, the little handle, you wipe off the top of it, and it's good. Bro, I'm like all the way back behind there, and it's not even dirty yet, but right. I'm like, dude, no, you have to get back there. You really, really got to clean. What's funny about this, it's like buying a new car. Right. Right? Because right. I just, so about two years ago, and again, watch now as I sneak one of these get in here. One in wake there. Em, wake them. Wake them. On the Wake em Auto Mile, bought my car there, right? So about almost two years ago, and I washed it like, you know what I mean? Every three days, I vacuumed it out every three days. Honestly, now there's like two piles of clothes in the back seat. Right French now. fry just yeah. dumped on the <laughs> no, front I mean, seat. Who in cares? In like a year, dude. Yeah, there'll be beer, you, you'll have a beer can like you know a pile on, on on the on the table there. Yeah, you uh, you know, you, obviously as things go on, it's just like a relationship. Where sure. in the beginning, you're so you're so enamored All you do with is it, bang. you're so. But like it, to me, it was just. I, I guess I just kind of realized that doing little things like. So many times in a rental house, I'm like, well, I don't care, whatever. <laughs> like, this is this is this isn't mine. But now it's just like really a fundamental difference of like how I view things and kind of how I'm like, oh, I don't want to mess that up, or oh, I, I really care about something like it's that. It's kind of like kids; they're annoying when they're your neighbors, but when they're yours, they're oh like, they're the cutest keep, thing keep this ever. Goddamn thing alive right so, here. Um, everybody always talks about this when they move into a new place. Like, mm-hmm. have you figured out all the noises? Like, are are you still like, oh my god, what the hell is that? Jesus, as you're like, is your old lady calling you like and be like, Matt, there's no. Noises. Well, I mean, this is one of those things that I just really want to have to tip my hat to Project Rebuild again, who were the, uh, you know, the, the group that kind of made this house a possibility by doing the renovations to it. Um, one of the things that, you know, it was built and designed to be the most energy efficient house in, you know, Stark County, like essentially as, po- as energy efficiently as possible as we could do it, we, we were going to do it. They want to be able to point at one house and be like, look, we look, did it here. Right, right. This is how we did it. Exactly here. right. Um, but one of the things that they did within that is my house, the walls are all mm-hmm. soundproofed. Like what? There's, it, there, it's double hung drywall, and in between those two pieces of drywall, there's a soundproofing compound that they put in. It put in between it. So oh, what like, a good idea for the sexual sleaze you well, are! Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, uh, like, I like it on so many levels. It's like that's such a nice addition. Whether it's you sure. banging it out with the wife and you don't want the kids to hear it, or your 13 year old son, the constant, you know, like slam up against, and it's like, dude, we know what's happening there. We know what you're doing. Where are your socks all stiff? How embarrassing is that looking back on your life now? Oh, knowing, God, dude. knowing when you were like 13, you thought you were getting away so with slick. everything. So slick, dude. <laughs> getting re- You thought you were getting away with everything. <laughs> really, you now you get a little older and you realize your parents were way ahead of you. Nothing, dude. You got, you got you nothing. Where did you think all that lotion was going? I don't know. I can barely look my mother in the face. I don't know. <laughs> anymore. I'm like, oh, my God. You know I was in there for six hours a day just cranking Just on doing it. whatever. Right. Taking sick days. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Just uh, honestly, that could you could have summed up my whole like that whole era of my life just by calling it chafed. <laughs> <laughs> just, just chafed. 
every single hour on the program this morning, your shot at $1,000. But Fantone, you and I, um, we both have this thing in common where we can't help ourselves. Okay. If you give us a chance to commit the act of blasphemy, Oof. we kind of like it. Are we getting into that territory? We're going to get into And here's yeah. the thing. We're going to do it early when nobody's listening. Okay, good. Which is pretty much, we could have do it at seven, eight, nine, pretty much any time we want. No, but apparently, dude, there's a guy that's claiming something happened during the Civil War that's based around religion. And okay. I don't, he claims there's pictures of it. Now, Fantone, for those of you that don't know, has a tattoo of Abraham Lincoln on his arm. Yeah. Your most favorite American ever. Ever. Yeah, definitely. Hands down. Hands down. Right. So... Obviously, Fantone has perused the Civil War. You know what I mean? A couple, couple of couple times. times. Maybe I've looked over it a couple of times. There's a guy who's claiming a photo is, exists, and if it were out there, I would imagine Fantone had seen it, and he's never said anything to me about it. <laughs> so if he's burying it on me, now I'm going to be pissed about what the that. Hell, dude? Wait till you hear what this 22 year old preacher thinks happened during the Civil War. You're going to get to hear that, actually, and it will take place after we hook you up with this $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword LUCK to 2ROCK1069. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show. We're on Rock1069. Russell online, WRQK.com. Passing out Factory of Terror tickets here momentarily. 1-800-243-7625. The number you need on those. That's that season. Oh, yeah, it is, dude. You can feel it in the air. Yep. A little haunted house action. We'll get you hooked up here momentarily. Also, 10 after every hour. You're shot at $1,000. We do this all day, starting at 6 o'clock in the morning. We don't stop doing this until about 9 o'clock every night. And we're just passing out what would be my salary, though. They're willing to pay you versus me. I don't understand it, but they're willing to do that. $1,000 is always in season, dude. Yeah, that's, I mean, nice. that's, that's, good. that's good money right there. Never can beat it. You cannot. Never beat that. Okay. A couple of disclaimers before we get into this. Okay. okay? I... Daniel John Stansbury was raised by a minister. I always say this when we talk religion. I've had more church than most of you listening. Not all of you, but most of you. Twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday. That was my entire life until I was about 15. And then I was kind of like, eh, okay, you know, go do you know whatever it is you want. I'm going to light my pants on fire. That's what I want to do. I want to be Nikki Six, Dad. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right? So it's not that I am unaware of the teachings of the Bible. Or it's not that I have not read my Bible. I have actually read the Bible through and through multiple, I believe it was three times because you had to to live in my father's house. You just had to. Now, you guys know I talk about my dad on the program a lot. Maybe too much for some of you. I get it. Okay? So, revered the man. But one of the things I struggled with is that I view, I knew him to be an intelligent, reasonable person. But there's so much stuff in the Bible that I'm like, What? Now, what my dad would always tell you is, Daniel, you can't take it literally. You're not smart enough. And that it's just teachings and parables for your life. It's just positive things for your life. I said, well, what about this? And this ain't so great. And he would always kind of lean on, yeah, best knowledge of its time. You start to move forward. There's obviously stuff that you realize. It's like, okay, well, like. Okay. I was like, well, so now we're picking and choosing in here? It's a tough call. Like laying down with men, like that's not, you know what I mean? Like now we're picking and choosing what, what, what we like, what we don't like. I, like that's where you start to lose me. And again, I know the man, knew the man to be reasonably intelligent, actually well above it, and pretty level-headed in most things. And yet, I do and I will say, my father was kind of a mess before he came to religion. He was a mess. He was a drug addict. Eh, not really addict, but you know, he's on drugs. He was kind of doing that kind of stuff, kind of floating in life, kind of loserish, you know, that whole thing. And my mom was kind of like, dude, you got to get your act together. You got to get this turned around. I'm pregnant. Like, what are you doing? They both came to Christ together is the way they say it. My father became a minister, ended up being pretty good at it. I feel like that's probably where 
I learned the ability to talk to a crowd. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Now, I set all this up. You know what? Let's get to Fantone's version of this now. <laughs> so across, yeah, you know what? Let, 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 let's get to you now. So across the board, not so much religion. I'm, it's one of the things I feel like truly I'm ignorant on in the fact of I've never been to church in the sense of like, I've never just like gone to services Outside of a before. Wedding. Yeah, I mean, I've been in churches for things like a wedding or whatever. And like sometimes there's, you know, prayers that go along with that. But never. What are you doing in that moment? But never in my life sitting there. I, dude, I appreciate things. It's just like, I, you know, like, I, I, I get it's like it. the symphony. You're there you're kind of like going through it you just aren't really loving it yeah it's just okay. i mean it's just it's just not for me and sometimes i can like listen and hear that message and like that's okay like i get that but never in my life have i been like you know what i need to do today i need to go to church never in my entire life nor did my parents ever make me go to church that was never a thing they go to church now but like when we were kids they we do were, yeah we were kind of i didn't know that we were kind of allowed to research it on our own and kind of have our own you know thoughts there and it wasn't something that they were like hey this is what we believe therefore this is what you have oh, to believe nice. That's they, good. Kind of, they kind of gave us a little bit of buffer zone which I turned out one way my brother ended up marrying a preacher's daughter so it's just kind of like you know y- y- you find your way but yeah that's interesting um I was exposed to all religions. My again, my dad being a minister, he felt like it important. So we kind of would do the world tour. Like he took us to the temple. We 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 went to Catholic mass. We went, you know, what I mean, like I've done. He he made sure we saw it all. Right now we're setting this all up because there's a preacher out there that is saying something crazy. And if I have this right, we have the audio. Yeah. So I'll ask you because you're the one that sent this to me because I yeah. know you found this. And you were like, what is this guy legitimately saying? Because creationists believe human beings and dinosaurs roam the earth together, right? That's Which what did not happen. That no, I know. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm aware. Creationists do believe that, though. And this guy's claiming that not only did we roam the earth together with dinosaurs, but that we fought them off, and that that's why they're extinct. Well, yeah, and a lot of this happened during the Civil War. This was this is the Confederates. Oh, geez. The Union. All right, yeah, lay it on me. I there gotta go. hear it a ton of talk about these things and the thing is i do believe there was talk about these things i believe if we study history you know the confederates were able if to we study it we haven't done that yeah there's a couple of things there that yeah. we've studied. Well, <laughs> i we, mean we've written some books on we this have one. perused history i believe if we study history you know the confederates were able to shoot pterodactyls you know back in the civil war <laughs> and they spread these things out anybody can look it up online they spread these things out and this is this is this is, this is excuse me this is a historical fact so, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're getting a little carried away with the word fact, and I can look this up. So if I go Google right now, Civil War hero shoots down pterodactyl, like that's that's a Will Smith movie. Like what the hell are we talking about? That did not happen. So, you know, they spread this thing out, and it's got a huge wing length. It's a pterodactyl they shot. So, of course, these things have been around. Now, they went extinct, obviously, slowly, but surely. And so... I don't believe that just because, you know, at some point in time, coming from your perspective, that, you know, just because they stopped talking about it means that they never saw it when we have all this evidence that they've seen it. I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, some creationists believe we were riding dinosaurs. Like, you, I've seen pictures where people have done renderings and it's like they got saddles and it's like, guys, come on, like, come on. You know what I mean? So let me get this straight. A pit bull can like maul you to death, but you climbed a dinosaur and tamed it? Yeah, dude, just hanging out on a T-Rex. There were there were no darts where you could put something down and like subdue it back then. 
Siegfried and Roy got attacked by their own goddamn tiger, but you believe we were taming dinosaurs and riding them around? I mean, it's the suspension of disbelief that people will go through, like the mental gymnastics that people will go through to, to, to accept these things that they want to have in their life is just so strange to me. You're approaching, no, you're past flat earth at this point. Yeah, uh, dude, I, at the end of the day, you're in the same camp as, so, like, I don't know where I'm going to put them on the ladder of insanity, but, like, yes, there's no doubt you are you are in close contention with flat earthers at this point. If you truly think, I mean, dude, the Civil War, it feels like forever ago, but we're talking 200 years ago, like, we're not talking too, too much, you know, right. further than that. Dinosaurs went, uh, went extinct 66 million years ago, <laughs> like, what a, what a huge gap, gap there. Gap. Okay, you, I believe have uh have looked at studied and probably you know combed over the history of the civil war more than i have okay 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 so would I, and this is just me being a logical person okay would i not then and maybe there are i don't know that's why i'm asking you would i not though if this had happened would there not be like writings of people of the time talking about how and it would not the word dinosaur wouldn't be there but the great bird in the sky or something like that describing what we see and there's nothing of it i don't know when the word dinosaur became a thing but at the end of the day it's not like documentation is a new thing they knew during you know civil war times that like these are historic times so there was plenty of people documenting things there was sure. plenty of people who yeah. were i mean i mean whether it's letters home from from you know soldiers to their family or Abraham Lincoln's writings or Jefferson you know what I'm saying there's all these different there's all these different accounts of it and none of these dudes none of these dudes were talking about this none of these dudes thought this was something that was worth bringing up at the table like okay hey dude we're coming up with the you know with 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 with, with, the, with the Gettysburg plan what are we gonna do what's gonna happen you know what there's gonna be you know there's 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 like there's 10,000 you know you, you know confederate like soldiers over there they're gonna try to flank us over here with an additional crew of 15,000 oh and don't forget the goddamn Tyrannosaurus Rex Khaleesi's coming up over Jeez, the mountaintops dude. on the dragon. But, 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 like, there's, there's, you can, you can have whatever facts you want now. This doesn't even, like, I'm, I'm, I'm angry about this, but at the, in my core, I'm like, dude, what are you getting worked up about? Like, well, you can do, you can believe whatever you want. I used to get really, really angry about stuff like this, and my brother always says it to me best. Daniel, what are you getting upset at stupid people for? If we raise the average intelligence of the human being in this country, you couldn't do what you do. Off the air, dude, you better, immediately. You better, be, dude, immediately. You, you better be thankful half the people walking around the earth could walk into glass doors, although I did it outside of dicks, remember? <laughs> <laughs> now, at the end of the day, on the internet, you're always going to be able to find your straw man. Somebody somewhere believes something, no matter how outrageous it is, no or matter what it internet, is. Or on the internet, somebody's willing to let you believe that, that they, they believe, believe it. it. Right. right. Yeah. But, there's that but, too. but this is what happens when there's this, like, well, no historical fact is accurate. Nothing's true. Who knows what the Civil War was about? Like, this is what happens. Well, all right. I, I need you to try to Google something for me. JP's tweeting in and said, there's a photoshopped image of a Confederate soldier with a, with a pterodactyl. He claims it's been on the internet for a decade. Now, I believe it's out there somewhere. I just would like to see it for my own amusement. Yeah, I've, I, I've seen, this. seen this. Yeah, I've seen I've this. Never, I don't think I've ever seen this. Can, I get, can you flip that monitor for me so I can see it? There's, you know... The, oh, the Civil War with a Triceratops. I mean, Look, there's oh there's a pterodactyl right there, dude. Like, okay, and those are Civil War yeah, soldiers. But at 13th Street Gallery, right. I also got a World War II photo with the stormtroopers standing in the background of it. Guys, come on. Like, at some point, like, I all right, here's what I will, will tell you. The Bible, I don't know. 
I'm suspicious that it was written by 40 different people over decades of time and that if you play telephone in, in your office today, I'm, there's obviously some exaggeration that went down. But at the basis of it, do I know? Of course not. I wasn't there. Neither were you. But there are some things that I cannot just accept on their face. Like on their face, it's just so ridiculous. I'm like, no. And listen, this is me playing devil's advocate, but there's plenty of things that people are going to be able to point to and say, well, yeah, once upon a time, gravity was laughed at. Once upon a time, this was laughed at. Like, there's so many examples of somebody who thought contrarian and ended up being okay. right out of you, it. You, you're right. Okay, you're right. But we have the proof of gravity now. I have that now. We've been searching for the proof of all of this forever. Cover up, just like 9-11. Oh my God! Why well, would you cover it up? Well, who? Well, again, maybe not. Maybe, but who? Who's the gain from covering up the God story? Liberal the media. Liberal media. I mean, they covered it up before there was a liberal media. Liberal media, dude! Don't tell me back then there wasn't a liberal media. We were talking about how fake news has always existed. Yeah, but the guy had a, a handwritten press <laughs> sign in his hat. He couldn't influence the entire country. No, I don't believe. <laughs> Ah, dinosaurs, people riding them as liberal media covering stuff up. Anderson Cooper? Do no wonder we're getting laughed at at the UN. I mean, no wonder. I mean, no GD wonder. <laughs> God! Riding pterodactyls in the Civil War. God, I'll never be funnier than that, ever. <laughs> My God. Factory of Terror tickets. Let's send caller 20 right now. 1 800 243 7625 on those. There's something happening on the internet that I hate. Surprise! The old man hates the internet <laughs> some more. I do. There's a trend. I don't like it. We're getting into it. That's next on Rock 106.9. Healthy boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're online at WRQK.com. Passing out $1,000 coming up 710 this morning. Before the break, we were talking about how there's a preacher out there that thinks that uh, human beings were riding pterodactyls and uh, fighting them off and during the Civil War. We were not. I don't. Well, you know what? I wasn't there. A full disclosure was not there. I don't mean to sound like an expert. I just don't believe that had happened. Uh, we told you that Fantone's got a, an Abraham Lincoln tattoo. I was asked for a picture of it. It's in the comment section of that live video, Facebook live video we did during that break. Uh, but sure enough, he has that tattoo. So that's we posted that in the comment section where you can see that. I uh, just took this piece of um, like listener like messaging basically from Facebook, and I like this because some of you know I've been on the air in Northeast Ohio. I mean, got a long time now, right? A couple of different stations. Fantone's worked at like 10 radio stations, been in the Minimum, business a lot. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, I was giving you a little credit. Just giving you a little credit. But he's worked a ton of places. He had a little history here in Canada. He worked over at Mix before, you know, we put this show together over here. A lot of you know that. So he's got some history here. So we like when this stuff kinds of happen. Because this is somebody who is new to both of us and only through this program, Eileen. So I just want to say I'm so happy I found you guys while searching for a radio station. I moved here from Northeast Pennsylvania about three months ago. And I had a show that I used to listen to every day, and it was funny. And it was really good. So I've been trying to find a good show here that I could listen to and replace it. I was driving to work, and you guys are the greatest. Keep up the great work and all the laughs. I appreciate every morning. Okay, well, then just uh, rip all the other knobs off your, right. <laughs> your radio before you. Uh, knobs. Buttons. <laughs> the knobs. Get the old wooden radio cranked up here. Sit around it, family. He hates the internet. Good he thinks God. radios have knobs. Good God, yeah. dude. Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm 300. I was in the Civil War. He was, dude. He was there. He knows. Pterodactyls yeah. or not. Yeah, I should stop lying about it. I was totally there. Front lines. <laughs> did the whole thing. Had the musket. Were they? I don't even know. Was that the weapon of choice? I don't even know. 
pitchforks made. Oh, they had, they had, they had have, weapons. Did they have weapons? Did they 000 dead Americans had weapons. Were there guns? There were guns. <laughs> were, there were, were not there dinosaurs, stuff? though. No, I wasn't there. There were not dinosaurs. There were not. All right, I do have to bitch about this thing I keep seeing on the internet. The, you Go know what? All right, this is what makes me crazy about online. And it shouldn't at all. This is a personality flaw on me, not the rest of you. Okay? Something's fine. This is the Mike Myers effect. Do I make you horny? Like, dude, he gets one oh, okay. joke and drives it into the ground. Okay. And the internet does that. And it's like, the proper way to eat a watermelon. Let me guess. It's in the toilet or in the trash. I mean, what, okay. like, I've seen the end of this goddamn movie. <laughs> okay. What are you doing? Um, I, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, like, jokes become... What do I want to say? Uh, cliched pretty quickly. And I mean, especially nowadays that we have the access to them all immediately. Yeah. And I understand that, like, the setup and delivery of jokes, there's going to be like, well, of course I borrowed that from you. Knock, knock jokes are a thing for a reason because we all get them. We all see the setup. We all know what's going to happen. Okay, at the so but, but, but you're right. And I think this is, I think this is a lot of stuff that gets shared on the internet as a whole. Like, Okay, like you see something, you think it's funny, you want other people to see it, you share it. I understand where that comes from, but dude, they have the same internet you do. Okay, now, but isn't there not maybe a possibility that we're that you, other people are following people and you don't see things? Because dude, you see something oh, yeah. for the first time on the internet somehow. Yeah, I mean, somewhere along the line. And if that, and I guess, and here's the thing too, is like, okay, if you want to be the central hub of all things you think funny is, and, and that's what you want your online presence to be, I have no problem with that. Okay. Go ahead and do that. What I will say about that, that doesn't make you funny. That doesn't. Like, you, you sharing memes, uh, there's plenty of people online that I think, like, oh, man, dude, this guy's always sharing something good. I'll like that. I'll like that. I'll like Recognizing that. Recognizing comedy isn't the same thing as being comedic. Right. So, like... Okay, and, that's and, fair. And I'm not... And I guess that's not... At the end of the day, is that a criticism? I guess. But, like, I don't care. Do whatever you want with your Facebook profile. Do what you want with your Twitter. But that doesn't... Saying, well, man, the best way to listen to a Luke Bryan CD, he puts it in the CD player, CD player blows up. Like, oh, man, can you believe it? Didn't see that yeah, one coming. Okay, okay dude. Dude, all right. I'm guilty of uh, of a social media um, problem in this country that I think, honestly, that if we all worked a little bit harder on this, maybe even like once a day, because how many posts are most people making a day? I'm guessing probably up to, what, six, seven? Okay. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I'd I was... be very interested. As a matter of fact, during this next break, we'll, we'll, we'll try and look that up and find that out. But I'm guessing closer to seven than not, right? So I'm guilty of this. And I and people always say this to me. Dude, stop telling us what you hate. Start telling us what you love. But the problem is, is that when I do that, because you're right, that's a way to spread positivity. And it would be better if we all would do it. But the problem is when I do it, you all then people bitch. And they're like, oh my God, we get it. You like this. And, and you know what I mean? Really what it is, is the internet is misery loves company. And that's why negative spreads so fast. It's because, dude, you want a bitch. That's what you use it for. But I think if we did try to put an effort, not like, oh my God, this guy walked this kid to school. Not that. But like, yo, man, I like this. Versus tearing down the actor or actress that you hate, build up the one you like, maybe. And if we started that trend, I think maybe things could be a little bit better. Nike has been talked about constantly constantly over the last two weeks and there's two very different tales being told about nike we will obviously sift through it all and tell you the truth that will happen you also get hooked up with a thousand dollars next on the stansbury show the stansbury show all right i like it i like it a lot rock 106 106.9 welcome back to the stansbury show we're on rock 106.9 you're getting hooked up with a thousand dollars here momentarily we'll give you the keyword you texted it 200 200 you'll be a thousand dollars richer than you were yesterday 
There's no rule that says you're not allowed to give it back. Now, I know you won't. Look at you being selfish, taking the money we're giving you and, you know, I don't know, putting braces on your kid or something. You can give it back to me. No rule says you can't. Yeah, there's no rules on that money. Do whatever the hell you want with it. Pass it around. We need to be stingy. I'm glad I did a little bit more research on this before we talked about it. Okay. Because I was about to put Fox News in my crosshairs right here. Okay. Because I felt like this was the tale of two medias. But then I did a little bit more research, and it turns out Fox News was not the only story reporting this. Or the only outlet. Sorry. I I found it at the New York Times. I found it at USA Today, too. So it's like, okay, all right, good. Because I was worried that's what was happening here. Some of you may know now or have heard, I'm assuming most of you, that Nike wrapped their arms around Colin Kaepernick and like rolled out a new advertising campaign. I believe I'll paraphrase. I believe it's stand up for is it stand up for what you believe in, even if it costs you everything. Something, something like that. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. There we go. Let me say it again. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Basically saying Colin Kaepernick sacrificed his career for the awareness that there are things wrong in this country. Okay. Now I do take issue with at the onset of when Colin Kaepernick decided to do what he did and what his original motivation was. I do believe that since it came underway, he realized, Oh my God, the severity of what he has done and started to take it a little bit more seriously. And as the camera stopped following him around so much, actually that's when more of his goodwill started to like tick up. And so, you know what, as a guy who was critical of him, I got to give him credit where credit is due. And if when people stop paying attention, you, you still take a million dollars out of your pocket, spread it around. You start a couple of different charities in a couple of different towns and you actually stick all the way through this. I got to tip my hat to you, dude. We may disagree on some of the things he thinks, but at the end of the day, man, he is standing up for what he believes in. I was raised to do that. I have done it once before, walked out of my career to stand by somebody I believed in. Dude, it takes balls. It takes backbone. It does. And a lot of people don't have it. So if you've got it, people should kind of marvel at it because it's rare. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about, I guess, the the intestinal fortitude it takes to do something like that. So many people who are on the, well, I'm never watching the NFL again. And it's like, you couldn't even, you didn't even have the balls to make it through not watching the NFL. You're already back to that. And it's like, this dude walked away from it. Now, you're right. We can agree on or disagree wherever we think his stance is, but he did something. Exactly right. Think about, now this is true of me too. I'm not, I'm not knocking him. I'm not coming down on anybody, but most moves today, I would be forced financially to do whatever it took to save my job. Now, once upon a time, that wasn't true. Kind of dug my heels in and kind of did my own thing. But unfortunately, sometimes you cannot be moved even what your morals are because, well, dude, you need electricity, right? right. But Colin, a professional athlete, kind of probably has some access to some other things, was able to do this. Now, the reason why I bring up Fox News is because they had been reporting that Nike had nearly dropped him before embracing him. And I was like, okay, well, what's the point of telling me this? We know Nike stock through the roof right now. I think $6 billion has been added to it or something like that. Something crazy. Right? So I was like, what's Fox doing here? But then now I start, like I said, I pulled up some more outlets. And no, sure enough, it was looking like Nike was like, ah, dude, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And then all of a sudden, last minute, they were like, no, 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 let's do this. And here's why. Nike is obviously, I believe, still run by Phil Knight. Okay. Now, obviously, dude, it's one of the biggest corporations in the world. So there's going to be, you know, stockholders and those kind of things. It's also based in Beaverton, Oregon. Now, for those of you that have never been to Oregon, it's two states like every other state. The northern part of the state, ultra progressive, really left leaning. And the southern part of the state, super rednecky, pretty much 
Alabama with mountains. It's just the way it is, right? I live there. You're not going to be able to tell me anything different because I spent part of my time of my life there. So, of course, a company based out of Beaverton is going to be a little bit more likely to be able to lend itself. Now, what flies in the face of that argument is they're one of the biggest apparel companies in the world. You cannot deny that wrapping your arms around Colin Kaepernick was a risk. It doesn't look like one now, but when you decided to do it, it was like, all right, this is one of the most polarizing people in the world. Michael Jordan's not polarizing, right? And that's like they're one of their biggest brand ambassadors. Now, LeBron's a little polarizing. And he's with it. he's a Nike athlete. Yeah, but not on the same level in the sense of like LeBron has so many other things that he can point to other than just being divisive. Enough where, positivity around LeBron. Same thing with uh, Tiger. Tiger's not polarizing and he sells a bunch of Nike stuff. And they, Michael, LeBron, Tiger, can all hide behind greatness. Colin Kaepernick can't. Mm. And like I mean, I definitely think that What a great argument. I, I definitely think at the end of the day, do I think that Colin Kaepernick is good enough to be playing somewhere right now? Great yes. Take. I mean, look at the scrubs that are that are playing quarterback in the NFL right now. So Especially even in the backup position too, was it where it's Nathan like Nathan Peterman in Buffalo. Like if that guy was on a football field, and I don't think Collins great, but he's probably better than that guy. Right, homie. Sh- homie should have a job either as a one or backup. two somewhere in the NFL. Sure. And uh, but n- nobody, and I, if you are, you're, you're wrong. Nobody's putting him into the same category as a Michael, LeBron, or Tiger. Nobody. No, you'd be crazy. You'd be crazy. You'd be crazy. Now a lot of people want to make him the new Muhammad Ali because Muhammad Ali risked his career for that, and I want to roll my eyes at it. But is it that crazy to make them the same? I'm not the same person, but is it's akin to it at least, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I've talked about it in the past, and it's like, well, are, are we? Are, is this civil rights 2.0? Is this kind of where we see some of these similarities of of what was happening in the in, in the country in the 60s versus what's happening in the country today? I think there's a comparison to be made, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna use the same argument I just made: is that Muhammad Ali greatness, greatness, right? You can't you can't put him sacrificing his career. For what he did, and I mean, by by dodging a draft, by the way, I mean that's essentially what happened there. Is the guy didn't get so, and it's very revisionist history with him, where yeah, we all really look is. back and like it is. You're right. I'm sure in the moment, I'm sure people were foaming at the mouth over that. Oh, dude, had to be at the library. There's the fish machine. You got Google. There's plenty of people, uh, you know, that were out there and that, that were very anti, very anti Muhammad Ali. Um, now, a lot of people make this argument that you can't put him next to Jim Brown and you can't put him next to Muhammad Ali because at the end of the day, Colin is benefiting off of what's happening right now. And those guys probably did not. Uh, I don't know. Show me. Somebody's going to have to show me the money he's made. I haven't seen it. And I mean, those guys both definitely benefited from it in the sense of that's part of who it's part of their legacy. It's part of their iconic nature now that the, would Jim Brown be would he was great. He, he's our people say he's the best quarterback uh, running back ever. Okay, so he's great. So he was always going to be held in, in, in like on high NFL standards. Would Jim Brown be the celebrity he was without the activism? I don't think so. I think I think I think anybody involved in that era gets an extra bonus because of it, and rightfully so. I think. I mean, like, but no, I think that those both those guys, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, guys like that who were active in that era. It's bonus points for them. It's bonus points for their greatness. I guess I'm being told this. I don't know if it's true, but David's tweeting in and telling me that a former Nike marketing VP came out and tweeted that their biggest target market is black youth and that they're the ones buying the Jordans and LeBron shoes. This was a home run for them. And I don't know if that's true, 
but it sounds very true. Yeah. I could see that being a huge target for them. Who's going to spend most of their money on shoes. on shoes? Young people. At the yes, end of the day, I mean, sure. at, at the end of the day, it's young people, and it's people that have that expendable income. And like people in our in our situations, are I'm 45 and I got kids and I got this and I got that. You're not going out and buying a 200 dollar pair of Nikes for your it, kid, it, but it, not but not, not for you. you. So right, so like that's of course that's and, and you got to refill the cup, man. You always got to be looking younger. That's absolutely true. It, it, it's, you know, to keep your business moving forward and you know attract the newest, youngest consumers. I'm all for that. The number I keep seeing with Nike is six billion. That's been added to like their bottom line, right? Or their stock value, right? Six billion is the number I keep seeing. I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't looked far enough into the number. But there's been a significant increase, no matter what it actually ends up being, right? So let me ask you this question. No one thing disproves anything. I understand that. I'm too smart to think anything else but that. But if this campaign's this successful, it kind of flies in the face of what Colin Kaepernick's bitching about with this country being as racist as it is, right? I mean, if the entire country's wrapping its arms around this and Nike's adding all this money, isn't doesn't that kind of fly in the face of, like, America's too racist for this? And it's like, well, really? One of the biggest companies in the world just got bigger by wrapping their arms around you. Yeah, I mean, y- yes, but I-, I guess on the flip side of that, it- it- just because... More money was spent doesn't necessarily mean there's more support, I guess. I mean, like, how many people went out and, you know, bought Nikes because, okay, so now I support this. There's still millions of people on both sides, I guess. I don't want to be a golf homer here, but how much of that $6 billion was the fact that Tiger Woods is starting to come back around, too, and he's one of their biggest brand ambassadors? That just happened last weekend, right? Yeah, that's when he won, but he's been on the come. I mean, dude, he finished on the top page of the leaderboard in a couple of, you know, a couple of majors this year. I mean, Tiger Woods has been a story in golf this year about how well he's been playing for a couple of months. And so, do we know, Tiger moves the needle. So is it all Colin Kaepernick? I think there's a little bit of that where it's like people don't want to admit that and they want to say it's all Colin Kaepernick. But I do think that there's something too, dude, if if, if they added this much revenue to their stock price over your campaign, then bro, a little bit of what you're saying about this country might not be as true as you want us all to believe it is. Every single hour on the program, you're shot at $1,000. Next one, right now. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. I've been texting back and forth with our good buddy, Mark Munch Bishop, who will be on the air with us tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour, on loan to us from Fox Sports 1350, where you can hear him every day. Munch on Ohio Sports 3 o'clock. And uh, he is pumped to be talking Baker Mayfield. And I saw this yesterday. Um, I know a lot of you don't like Colin Coward. I kind of think he's all right. He, we carry him here uh, at, at Fox Sports 1350, so I'll listen to him, you know. And uh, he said, you know when a guy, and he was doubtful on Baker, right? Yeah. Every, Baker lit up Colin on his own flow. Even though really what happened is that broadcaster allowed an athlete to kind of have like a, a, a little space there to explain some things that other people in the media had been taking issue with. I mean, that's really what happened, but whatever. You sell your own narrative, Internet. And he said yesterday, you know when a guy's a star? When he plays on Sundays at 1 or 4, but on Wednesday, you're like, Jesus, I can't wait to watch that game. That kid's a star. And I was like, you know what? And that's what I've been saying about Bakers, that I was a little doubtful on him, too. But he's got the magic, man, because I'm the same way. Four o'clock Sunday, like, Jesus, somebody, do I want to skip my weekend? Because I want to watch the Browns play. So I guess I got to take it back. Kid's a number one pick. If you can give me that positive, you're a number one pick. 
Well, I mean, you know, you, you can only you can only be a number one pick for as long as you've got the opportunity in front of you, and now he has that opportunity in front of him where he can show, you know, was this worth You're it or was this not? You're still kind of like, ah, prove it to me, Baker, right? Well, of course, dude. I mean, he's played one football. He's played half a football game. Like that's, dude. That's a. I think that's a big problem, and I know because because it's the Browns, it's a unique situation, and it is that one win felt so big, and the fact that it was on a Thursday, and we're still high off of it a week later, and we still have three more days to go. That was a victory, but like... Well, you know what? Hold on. I, I hate to do this to you, but but because people have been talking about, look, even the national media loves Baker Mayfield. Now, Fantone just told you why, though. What happens on Thursday night? One game, and then there's no more games till Sunday. So what does the NFL media have to talk about? Baker Mayfield. Still talking about him this week, though. You know what I'm saying? We've had a Sunday since then. It's just... Okay. It's, that narrative is still carrying over, and it, I mean, it is. So, like, you, you, you can't... I can't hold it against him that he's only played a half a game. At this point, it's like, Not dude, his you've, fault. you've got the opportunity in front of you now. Now you have to go out and prove it. Um, but it, you'd be a liar to say there's not excitement in the air that hasn't been hasn't existed in quite a while. Oh, a long time. I yeah. mean, and like a real sense of optimism too. Not just like, not just like that blind like, oh yeah, well maybe they could win. Maybe maybe things are getting better. I mean, there's a real a real difference. I think within the fan base at least. I guess I can't speak to the team, but the fan base feels like things could happen, and now it's up to him to prove it. Baker Mayfield cracking the top ten in jersey sales after the Cleveland Browns debut that he had. Um, and it shouldn't be surprised. It's a quarterback-driven league, and he is charismatic. You know what I mean? And the Browns travel well. Like, because so many people move out of Ohio that there are Browns fans everywhere across this country. As a matter of fact, everywhere I've ever lived. When I wear Ohio gear, I get stopped everywhere because most people are like, get me the hell out of Ohio. I think it's worth noting, too, that he's a rookie and... Uh of course, that's going to like correlate with higher. You have jersey a Tom sales. Brady jersey. Yeah. You need a Baker Mayfield. Yeah, if you're if you're like if yes. you're a guy who buys football jerseys, like, well, yeah, I've already got this one. I've already got this one. Oh, Baker, yeah, man, I mean, I'll buy this one. I hear a lot of people are having trouble finding the Baker Mayfield jersey now because of how many are being sold. Now, I don't know that they still have them in stock. So let me say that I don't know that they have them still in stock. But you know where I'm suspicious you'll still be able to get a Baker Mayfield jersey? How about at the Pro Football Hall of Fame NFL team stores? I'm willing to bet they. I'm. I'm. I'm willing to bet because most people don't think about that. Most people don't think about going in there and just going into the team store in there and like shopping there. But they sell items from all 32 franchises in there. Obviously, they don't pay. They, you don't. They don't charge you to park in the parking lot, and you don't have to pay for admission into the hall just to go shop in the store. So if you're looking for a Baker Mayfield jersey, I don't know that they still have them in stock there. But my guess is most people go to Target or Kohl's or Dick's or whatever and go, oh, they're out, and don't think about that. Um, I saw something yesterday with Jarvis Landry talking about how contagious Baker Mayfield's attitude is and yeah, the, I saw that. the yeah. feeling that, that, that he gives to other guys. And that's awesome, and that is what you want out of your leaders. That's what you want out of that position as the quarterback. But my concern is inevitably something comes down to earth. Now the good thing is it's the Raiders that are playing this week which is a winnable game. If they were going in if they were if they were walking into a meat grinder It's pressure though. Yeah. There's more yeah, pre- yeah. there's more pressure that comes with a game people think you can win versus a game where people are like, "Ah, dude, you're not beating them." If if they were walking into Baltimore as opposed to walking into Oakland, I would feel more concerned. I would feel like, "Uh, dude, but this is an opportunity to build. This is an opportunity to to accumulate some 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 positive momentum." And if they can and if there is is that feeling of like, well, dude, we are turning the corner and there is, you know, something positive in the air. I, I, then you're right. He is a number one pick. I'm looking to see if the lines moved 
for for Sunday because when we told you yesterday it was two and a half. Yeah, it has moved now again. Oakland now giving up three to Cleveland on the road. Over under stayed at 45. Now, I wish I wouldn't have done this, but I laid my bet yesterday. Browns getting two and a half, and I took the Browns getting points. But there's pressure here now. And if you go into Oakland, see, dude, the Browns fan base is up and down. And if you go into a game where they think Baker Mayfield's going to win easy and you get beat, all this positive momentum, I think, goes right back in the trash can. It's very fragile. It's a house of cards. There's no question about it. We're talking about one win in the past two, three years. So, like, yeah, of course, um, you know, pressure, dude, it, it cracks pipes or it makes diamonds. And, like, this is True. this is it. Like, here's your shot, bro. But see, look, there is real excitement around this kid. Brett just tweets in and says, dude, I'm a die-hard Steelers fan. Die-hard. He said, I'm pumped to watch the Browns right now because everything you guys got going on. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I got to walk back everything I said. Dude, if you can do all of that, you're a number one pick. You are. Because, look, is Cam Newton never going to win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. But what he's done for that franchise and the attention that's paid and like the ratings that come with them and all that, all the positivity, you're at least a viable franchise, then you're probably a number one pick. Um, worth noting, as as the Browns go into Oakland here, um, Christian Kirksey and Emmanuel Ogba will both be back into the starting rotation there, which definitely helps the Browns out and definitely gives them an opportunity. And I mean, like, perfect storm here. Like, here it goes. I mean, well, why not? I agree. Now I'm being told, don't count the Raiders out just yet. They were a serious contender not that long ago. Not much has changed. And I disagree. I think a ton has changed. I think a ton has changed. Um, Gruden... I don't know how that whole thing's going to go, but thus far has not been going that well. I also think you can rock locker rooms by making the wrong call, and it's pretty much a general consensus around the league that getting rid of, you know, finding, not finding a way to make Khalil Mack happy was a wrong move. Now, I know you got a young, you got a good young quarterback, or at least some people think he's a good young quarterback in Derek Carr. But what Derek Carr wants to do is play with the lead. And Khalil Mack helps you play with the lead. I think a lot has actually, I think a ton has changed with the, with the Oakland Raiders. And I think it's enough to where guys are maybe second guessing what's going on. Now, are they going to go, you know, winless? No. Are they going to get it turned around a little bit better than what we've seen the first couple of weeks? Yes. Are people overstating their losing because some of the games were closer than people? Yes. All of that is true. But this is a game that they can win, but I worry about the psyche of the Browns fans and the organization if you go into a game where it's like, ah, we're going to win this one, and then you lose it. You do got to remember, you hadn't won a game in 635 days, and go back and watch that fourth quarter again at the end of that Jets game. Here's the thing. Nobody's talking about this. Baker Mayfield came very, very, very close to throwing a red zone pick there. Got a little lucky with one of those throws. Now, wins, loss, that's all you really care about, but let's just, do you got to temper it because he came very close to throwing a red zone interception late in that game. Very, very close to it. I think they beat the Raiders. I took them getting two and a half. I wish I would have waited. I I thought the line was going to move, but I thought it was going to move in the opposite direction over all the Baker mania. Getting three on the road over under at 45. I'm taking the Browns and the points. As a matter of fact, I already did it. I hope that does not come back to haunt me. Guys, you're probably running around your house a lot of times just tongue out, begging for a little bit more sex. I got great arguments on how you can sell your wife on giving you a little bit more. That's next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Kenton's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Well, welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9, passing out $1,000 shortly after 8 a.m. 
I don't know how true this is, but you see it in movies a lot, and TV shows. Guys are just like running around the house, like tongue out, just begging for sex from the wife. And I would have to imagine that if it's sold that much, it's because there's some truth in it. Yeah, I mean, of course, dude. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the sexual desire of the male, for the most part, most relationships, most time, is going to be greater than that of I'll a wait. female. Yeah. yeah, and I, you know, I, 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 it's definitely a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Well, also, let's be honest, the women in the relationships are more the adult, and so they understand you can't take the kids to Cedar Point every day, otherwise they're going to get sick on the ride. So like you gotta right. like, you know what I mean? Right. You gotta throw in some other stuff there. So like I would imagine that. So I got a little uh I got some ways you can go home today and kinda like sell the wife on some more sex. Okay. 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 It's the first giving her an orgasm because like you better give yes. her an orgasm, damn yes. it. Yes. No. Um it's easy to forget because of how much emphasis is put on the enjoyment that sex brings. Right. That it's a biological function at its core. And important hormones are released during the act of having sex. They promote overall better skin and health. And what is one of them called? Dehydropian detosterone. If you can't pronounce it, it's good for you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. If you can't spell it and pronounce it, it's good for you. Uh, Okay. I guess we'll go with that. But it is. It's overall like we forget that because such a such an emphasis in this country is put on like like the enjoyment and like the the feel good part of having sex that you forget that part of why it feels good is because you're restoring your body. Yeah, I think you know there's there's a ton of benefit to it, and there's definitely the the own your own internal kind of like benefit to it where it's like man, I feel better. You know, you get that the release of dopamine or whatever. But then there's also I feel like the connection aspect there of like now you guys are. Relationship building. Now, as a couple, you guys feel better. You feel more in tune with each other, which, like, of course, you the the goodness of us should also be the goodness of you. I just said this three days ago in my apartment. I said, I said, you know, I said, obviously, I love having sex with you because it's sex. I said, but also, it's because, dude, this is how you show somebody that you like that you like them. Right. That this is how you kind of kind of come together. It's part of that. It will also help you having sex will alleviate depression. Now, some of you have listened to the program a lot. No, I kind of have this from time to time. I wouldn't call it clinical depression, but I can definitely get to a state of, oh, God, I don't want to do stuff. But of course, sex is going to make you feel more positive. You're just going to feel a little bit better. It's going to be a bounce in your step, which, you know, go home and tell your wife, like, you want me to stop being so mad and like screaming in the garage? You know, knock me off a little. And, uh, and it's... <laughs> I mean, come on. At its best, I mean, now I, I know there's going to be examples of when it's at its worst, but at its best, sex should totally be something that builds your self esteem up and builds your self worth up and builds like you f- how you feel about yourself. Like it 100% should. And I'm not saying everyone has to be like a sexual Superman, but like that, yeah, man, we accomplished something. I did that. You totally should be proud of sex. It's also great exercise. That's why after a like long sex session, you wake up the next day, you're a little sore. It's because it actually is good exercise. I don't know how many calories you're going to burn, but it's good for your no it helps uh you know it, your blood circulation is sure. good and like all that stuff so it's all it's all very very good for you I, now at the end of the day it's better than doing nothing there's no question about that i think sometimes people will share that to be like oh yeah hey, it's just as good as exercise right get your ass in the gym but exactly. oh, okay it will improve your overall sleep um and for men only it helps lower your risk of prostate cancer which i would i don't know what the rate is but i would imagine prostate cancer takes 
plenty of dudes. Tons of dudes, man. Yeah, um, it's one of the most common cancers of older males. Like guys over 50 happens all, yeah. Heart is the most important muscle in the body, and the physical exertion from sex helps keep that muscle moving, which helps combat heart disease and conditions. So yeah, you can yell at your husband about the steak he ate last night about heart disease, but also don't be so rigid. Take them panties down and like help him, help him stay alive. Don't you love him? All right, don't, don't I was you love to say that might be part of the problem. There is like, dude, I don't have to have sex with a man; he's gonna die sooner. God, what are you telling me? Stansberry is a perfect plan. I thought I was supposed to be the one with a negative outlook, fans. Oh Jesus, stay in your goddamn lane, bro. A thousand dollars up for grabs. Also, wait till you hear what Dave Grohl does before he starts a Foo Fighters set. That's next on Rock 106.9. Good morning, the Stansberry Show, or the God of your choosing. Best morning ever. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Passing out a thousand dollars here momentarily. Do I get it? No. Son of a bitch. No, I feel like you knew the answer Damn to that. Damn it. I feel like you knew the answer to that one. There is a lack of rock star in the music scene right now. And I think partially it's music's just kind of in one of those zones where it's like we're waiting for that breath of fresh air that's eventually going to pop up and it always does every era people feel like no it won't and then sure enough there's always something that kind of comes along and i feel like we're in that lull right now where we're kind of waiting for that um but i also think that the rock star attitude has been suppressed by this um social media movement of you know i mean if you drink that many beers i mean maybe you got a problem like we kind of move from like you can no longer enjoy yourself or it ultimately has to be an underlying problem with your, you know, you know, the fact that you're an alcoholic. I think the reemergence of nostalgia is a big part of the problem here, too, or not a problem mean? or whatever. Um, but so many bands, I think we're not necessarily looking for new music like we once were. And so many bands are already established artists. And it's like, well, dude, of course, Corey from Slipknot isn't out there partying like he was 25 years ago because it's like, He's well, right, right, I'm 45, bro. Like, what do you what do you want from me? And I, that's a natural turn for everybody. And don't get me wrong. You can point to Keith Richards. And you can point to other, you know, outliers. Though. Right. Right. But those dudes are the ones who, you know, you can point to Keith Richards or you can point to the, you know, re- reformed rock star who's like, well, yeah, dude, I just drink kale and work out now. And like, what do you want me to do, man? At bed in midnight right, with the Kindle, like right. I always say. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the rock stars I've always really respected is Dave Grohl. As a matter of fact, I just shared a video of his the other day where he was talking about like, look, I obviously have my own personal politics, but I don't try to do it from the stage. He's like, when you come to our shows, everybody is singing my hero together. He's like, that's my job. My job is to unify you. It's not to divide us. My job is to like, you bought the ticket. Come in. I perform the rock show for you. You have a good time. You go home. It's not up to me to be like, you know, to divide you. I'm trying to bring us all together. I like and it. I, I do too. I think more entertainers need to take that route. We've been trying to get back into the more of the fun end of the pool on the program because I've just felt like we were dragging ourselves to a place that wasn't great. Right? But I'm surprised that Dave Grohl had said this in an interview. Now, he's been out long enough. He was also in Nirvana that he can withstand this. Like, you could end the Foo Fighters today and the, Dave's probably going to be okay. He's be right? okay. But he's got a pre-show ritual that I got to tell you, I'm surprised he was willing to tell people this in this decade. Says he pops three Advil 90 minutes before the show. Now, obviously, you're trying to loosen up the body. You know what I mean? Because, dude, playing shows is going... Ask any musician. It's like working out. It's a tough thing to do on stage. Especially when you're old. Yeah, he's an old man. Yeah. Okay. About 50 minutes before the gig, he says... No, about an hour before, he'll have one Coors Light. 
And then 10 minutes after that, he has his first shot of Jägermeister. Finishes the Coors Light, grabs another one, gets that cracked up and going. Which, by the way, if Coors Light is good enough for David Gold, it's good enough for you. Stop being a beer snob. I like IPAs too, but come on, everybody, you were drinking Coors Light 10 years ago when there weren't IPAs, right. and you liked it just fine. Quit lying. Well, 1994, I was drinking craft beers. No, you weren't. Shut up. I mean, dude, <laughs> dude, domestic, no, light, dude domestic light beer is good. It's good. I don't care what anybody tells you. It's good. Right? He says, now there's a bunch of people that's showing up in the room, so I'm throwing shots at everybody. We're taking shots with everybody in the room. Now another third Coors Light goes down. So 20 minutes before going on, I've had five or six shots couple of Coors Lights, and they clear the room out, and we get 15 minutes for ourselves. You know, he says, the, we need our privacy time. And then he says, and this is why I respect Dave Grohl so much, he says, which is BS. We yeah. totally don't need our privacy. I mean, like, it's not like it's your first concert, and you guys are going out there, and you got to pump each other <laughs> up. Like, dudes, come on, man. we got to get together. The band's got to support each other. Dude, you're the Foo Fighters. You've done this a couple times. I'm sure when they sold out Wembley, it was still like, oh, okay, this is Wembley. I'm sure there are still shows where that's true, but any run-of-the-mill show, Dave Grohl's getting out there rocking your ass off, and then he's, you know, he's fine. But he's like, now we're all just alone, and I feel bad, so now I'm just pumping people full of shots. It's like I'm pounding Jaeger. And I'm making sure everybody else is too. So he says here, dude, it's like, I mean, if I'm counting this right, it's like 11 drinks this guy has before he goes out on the stage. I mean, dude, that's a lot. Oh, yeah, dude. In an hour before you go out on stage, like that's a significant amount of alcohol. If that's if that's your, if that's your you know, hey, Friday night, I, you know, we've, we've been drinking for seven hours and you've drinking a lot. And it's like, all right, well, that's OK. But like, dude, 11 drinks in an hour. That's that's a huge amount. Is he? I mean, this is high level functioning alcoholic stuff here, right? Um, I, I guess. I mean, if this is a regular every night thing, it's hard for it not to be. Well, how many nights do they play? I mean, it's got to be close to every night. And the fact that you have this like system put into place where it's like, okay, an a hour routine. out, I need to do this. If 50 minutes out, I'm doing this. That's strange. If it was like, yo, we all just kind of have drinks beforehand. I'm like, well, yeah, of course you do. Like I said, you the muscle get loose. the muscle memory exists for you guys. You're the sure. Foo Fighters. You yeah, can go you, you can go up there and you can play, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, Big Me or whatever you want to and get through it but like if that's a a ritual i don't see how that's not problematic i i just i'm very surprised in this day and age he was this forthcoming with this because there are going to be people who are like um this is a problem and i think there are going to be people who are shocked to find out that that you can go out and perform in that manner i used to all right i get asked this question all the time some of you know i worked in another radio station with another personality once upon a time and he was pretty famous known for having a pretty serious drug problem so people would ask me all the time, do we see high doing the show? Every single day. Are you kidding me? Every single God. day. Metallic in the parking lot, high out of his mind. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that was pre-rehab because it was a really good segment. <laughs> we didn't do a ton of those after he got out. So I'm I'm guessing. So like most of the shows that people remember, he was high as balls in there. The amount of times that yeah, the amount of times drugs were being done in the studio during commercial breaks, I was just looking across the board like, bro, what are you doing right now? So, like, if you can do stuff like that, yeah, dude, performers are, they're, they're high, they're drunk, they're doing the thing, and it's just part of what they do. It's Josh Gordon, it, it, it's Lawrence Taylor smoking crack at halftime, dude. Jesus, I mean, yeah. dude, you, like... You can get to the quarterback high on crack. <laughs> you, once, you, once you get into these things, and like we said, I mean, this isn't Dave Grohl's first show. Like, once you've no. gotten into these things, dude, and once you've lived this lifestyle for long enough, 
stuff, man. You, it's it's muscle memory. You've done it so many times. You've done it so many. You've played these songs. But how can how can you not think that these people are on drugs, dude? What are you talking about? But seriously, and I don't want to be one of these people. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here because I think rock stars should kind of drink a little. I think they should kind of smoke pot a little. I think that's what lends itself to being rock and roll. Rock and roll is supposed to be a little dangerous. This era of over sanitizing everything does not lend itself to rock star. It just does not. Rock and roll is supposed to be a little dangerous. Yeah. That's the way it is. You're yeah. supposed to be a little afraid of it. But in this day and age, aren't people going to be like, um, bro, like secretly, but you probably still have anxiety issues, and that's why you're trying to numb the pain oh. before you go out there. You're still a little worried about falling flat on your face as a performer. Well, I mean, like, I mean, maybe, right? Yeah, because, I mean, maybe, isn't right? that what you kind of always, like, make the point of when it comes to addiction is that you are you are feeling something? Now, can I Really? Look- what you're, well, you're self-medicated. Right. So can I look at this and think, well, dude, this is probably a problem? Yeah, but it's not like, I don't care. You know right. what I mean? Like, okay. Like, I can, I can hear the evidence there of somebody on a regular basis routinely drinks 11 drinks in an hour and has a ritual to it. I don't care if it's Dave Grohl or somebody else. I hear that and I think, well, yeah, that's a problem, but do I care that Dave Grohl's doing it? Just keep giving me the art, right? I don't, I just, don't care. Just keep giving me the art. It, it, and there's a difference between two, like, can you have a problem and still, like, functioning alcoholics? Dude, you, you've got people who are doing drugs in the middle of radio shows. Like, yeah, you can still do this. So, problem. Once, once you know how to do it, you know how to do it. Problem in the sense of, like, yeah, dude, that's probably not good for you. Yeah, but bad for me. I don't care. Yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, like I said, just keep giving us the art. I just thought it was very interesting for that much honesty. Again, this is there's an over-sanitizing like, movement that's happening in this country, and it does not lend itself to rock art. It does not. A little earlier in the program, we gave you set, like a couple of reasons to have more sex. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, I guess what we have is, speaking of rituals, what most people do immediately after sex. So we'll give you that, and also... Well, you know what? Let's give you that after we get you hooked up with this $1,000 on the Stansbury Show. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword WIN to 2 Hawk 106.9. Welcome back to the program. We're on Rock 106.9 online at WRQK.com. And we have Machine Head tickets. They're playing the Agora on the 22nd October. We'll get you hooked up. I believe that show is a make good. I believe I was supposed to work that show. And uh, they had to cancel over some vocal issues. They can probably get you on the on the schedule if you want them to. You know? I need to get back there. I have not. I, I have since left the Agora. I no longer work there. I um. But I, I need to get back there and check. I have not been back since the renovation. I haven't seen it. I'd like to see that. I hear it looks beautiful. Be interested. Check that out. A little earlier in the program, we were talking to you about more reasons to have sex every day. And actually, that was what the scientist said. Every day. Now I think that's a lot. That's that's a yeah, ton. That is a lot. That's a ton. Right? You got life to take care of, dude. You got things happening. Yeah, you got jobs, you got kids, you got stuff going on. You can't bang it out every day. But honestly, like, you know what? Before we get into like what people are doing after sex, like where are you? About three times a week? Um, average week, sure. We just moved into a new house, so it's been pretty like Hey, hey let's knock it out every time we can, but like yeah, I mean multiple times a week. You'd it'd be great if you could say, like, dude, consistently seven times a week, twice on Sunday, man, it's great. But it's like, dude, I, I go to bed at seven o'clock, you know, she's got like life things happening, and sometimes you're just like, dude, you Tired. know what? Yeah, I want to take a shower and go to bed. Yeah, we're getting old. Right. Okay. Can't really go off my situation either because it's too new, new and right. all you're doing is just, you know what I mean? You just can't keep your hands off of one another. But apparently there's a list of things that are the most common that people do after they get done having sex. Now, one of them I think is very, very strange. This is where we're going to start. A large portion of people, the moment they after they're done wrapping this up, they get dressed. 
Now, I get that you need to put your clothes back on before you leave or go out of the house right. or whatever. I get that. But if you're immediately getting dressed after sex, I don't, look, I don't know, but my guess is, is that's lending itself to the fact that you have some shame over what you have just done or B, your body overall, right? Yeah, yeah, one of the two for sure. It's either I regret doing that or it's like I don't want to be naked around you any longer than I have to. My brother and I talk about this a little bit with each other, right? My brother's been married a long, long time now. <laughs> okay. And, uh, but... The shame thing with sex. My father was a minister. Right. And so we were raised. You don't have sex till you get married and like that whole thing. But there was honestly, my brother claims that our parents, because of the because of how much religion we were given, that it made us that, that he th- thinks it made us weird about sex, and that we both have shown shameful, you know, uh, shameful behavior, uh, uh, you know, in our lives over sex. And because again, how taboo? Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! What do you make a kid want to do? Do it is what right. you make him want to do. And so he claims honestly, dude, that they took us too far the other way. I mean, honestly, it's probably don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm sure your family was its own unique circumstance, but that's probably American society as a whole right now. Especially, especially over the past thirty years, versus kind of where we sit today, and kind of the new dawn of sexuality that we're that that, that we're here. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Telling people you can't do something is the greatest motivator to do something. Exactly right. Drinking water is on the list of things people do exactly like as soon as they're done having sex. Now, again, you probably just wore yourself out a little bit sweating. If you did it properly, you're sweating. So, yeah, you're going to, you know, you're going to, you know, drum up the thirst. Yeah, it's almost I mean, obviously, sometimes sex just happens. It's spontaneous. But if I know there is sex on the horizon, I'm making sure when I go upstairs with that, I have water with me. Is that right? Oh, dude, I'm I'm super thirsty. I've said it before. I worry that I'm diabetic because I just have an insatiable thirst. You do. But dude, once it starts. Yeah. Once we start like. Like Andy moving, likes water. Once we start moving around and we start doing those things, I always, in the middle of sex, I'll stop and be like, yo, let me hold up a second. Let me take this drink right really? here. Yeah, I'll take, a, I'll, take a, I'll take a little time out, a little breather. Coach, get me in here. Yeah. Now, there's a few of these that all kind of lend themselves together. Just laying there and doing nothing, spooning or cuddling. I think those are all pretty much the same thing. Spooning and cuddling are pretty much the same yeah. thing. So putting it on the list twice. Laying there, not doing anything, again, Maybe I'm too optimistic because my situation's too new. But that sounds a little sad. I guess it depends on like post wrap up. Like, hey, what'd you like? What you didn't like? How how did we do here? Did we, everybody get where they need to be? Like a little post wrap up's not the worst. I would like to I would like to get off the field before we start breaking down game tape. But oh, is that right? But uh, lying there, I guess it's just to me. Is it like? Is it like I just okay? So you just orgasm, you kind of flop back, and you're like, oh. And you lie there for a minute, like appreciation, okay, and like yeah, you, you have a little bit of like oh that was great, and then you get up and do stuff. But if you're lying there like silently, like just you know like a board, then yeah, that could be a problem. Watching TV or movies is another big one. People will do immediately after having sex. Now I'm guessing here that a lot of that is you're having sex towards the end of your night, and now it's like all right, let's just try to like we'll lay down and try to go to sleep now. So you turn something on, kind of binge it. Next thing you know, you're passed out. Yeah. So I think that's probably Bad how time, that yeah. happens. Now going back to the getting dressed immediately after sex, I didn't think about this because i don't have children uh-huh. um but if your kids are running around the house it's like dude you can't just lay around naked yeah. you know what i mean because yeah. you can't you know what i mean what are you gonna do the the naked i was naked wrestling mommy is only gonna yeah. it's only gonna cover it Not so many times Corey, that was actually a very good observation uh you know thanks for that ordering or cooking food immediately after sex I gotta tell you, dude, DoorDash, a little Uber Eats after you just knock it out, dude, get a little Mexican, maybe. You know what I mean? Wouldn't be the worst. Those to me are probably two 
in depth immediately after sex. I'm going in the fridge and I'm eating something cold out of it because I don't want to wait around and I want to like refill. But like, if I just had sex, odds are I'm going to sleep soon, so I'm not sitting there waiting half an hour for DoorDash to get there, or Uber or Eats even to get there. Anything. No, sandwich put together, PB and J, maybe something like that where I'm just taking two things and slapping and it together. Cheese. But dude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna put, you know, beef stroganoff it up. <laughs> you know, don't say anything else. Okay. Another one, dude. No, I don't trust you. Uh, the last thing on the list, and I think that this is probably, I think people are lying. And I, I'm a little bit of a pessimist, but after sex, a lot of people, they say, have a deep and meaningful conversation. Now, again, my situation is brand new, so I'm kind of do- you're kind of doing that because you're still kind of getting to know one another really, really well. Like, when's the last time you and your woman just laid in bed after that and was like, you know what, let's talk about life? Um, Although you're a pretty open, dude. Yeah, and and and, and, I, I, and we communicate really well. But I think more than anything, that's a very infrequent happening, and it should kind of be that way in the sense of like I would say it probably it's happened somewhat recently at the new house because it was like you have sex and you're all high off of that and you're feeling good and we're sitting there talking about like babe, can you believe we accomplished this? Can you believe this? Can you believe that? That's one thing. But if you're trying to like go deep every single time, right? Just got after- done going deep. What am I doing it with conversation for? I just got done. September the 27th, that's today's date, and back in 1986, a metal legend was taken from us. We're going to play you what I believe was some of his best art, and that will be next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Yo, Fantone from The Stansberry Show, here to tell you about the Rollholt Vision Institute. People ask me about my LASIK surgery all the time, and I tell them the same thing I'm about to tell you, dude. 20-20 vision, that's what I wake up with every single morning. You know, I started wearing glasses in the third grade, and I thought I was going to have to deal with vision problems for the rest of my life. But thanks to my good friends over at the Rollholt Vision Institute, the inconvenience of glasses and contacts is a part of my history, not a part of my future. So if you're done ordering contacts and you're sick of paying for glasses, I want you to visit a website. It is RollholtVision.com. Hello, everybody. You're looking live at Fansville, a college football utopia. Fansville. Where the rivers flow with ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The yards are lined with chalk, and the homes are filled with framed photos of your head coach. Above the mantle. A place where you can wear a jersey to a job interview. Bold move. And you get that job because the boss was wearing the same jersey. Touchdown. Where the coolers are filled with Dr. Pepper, and so are the fridges, glove compartments, and pretty much any place you can think of. So much Dr. Pepper. Get a taste of Fansville this fall during a college football game near you. Dr. Pepper. The official drink of Fansville. Grab some today. Some game day cravings can't be denied. Stock up on your favorite Dr. Pepper products today at your neighborhood Giant Eagle. Hashtag official drink of fans. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Just played you a little Metallica there for whom the bell tolls. And that's because September the 27th, today's date, we lost Cliff Burton in 1986. Now, we don't over-dramatize celebrity death here. We try not to on this program. But Metallica in the early days was a machine. And uh, they changed the game. Like, they there's no, they are game changers, for sure. And I personally, play, we, we played you for whom the bell tolls there. I believe Ride the Lightning was their best album. Now, that's an opinion. It's not fact. I believe that was, like, their best work when they sounded their best and they were still like super aggressive and uh, my favorite Metallica song ever is actually James Hetfield's least favorite song it's off of Ride the Lightning it's called Escape and I love that it's my favorite Metallica song ever 
Um, but they hate it, so it goes to show you what I know. I mean, it's undeniable that there was a different sound when Cliff was a part of the band. I mean... I think the softening was going to happen no matter what, though, man. It's just the way things go. I, the, the, the problem, and I guess not a problem, but like the, the thing that kind of turns me off of the Cliff Burton Metallica Uh-oh. is... Well, it's just this concept of like, what, do you like the Black Album? What, oh, do you okay. like the Black right. Album? And it's just like, God, dude, if you're too cool for the Black Album, you're too cool for me. You, I just, agree. you just are, dude, and I'm sorry. Like, I'll try to be, try to be more metal metalhead okay. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, God. People who knocked the Black Album are crazy. Enter Sandman. Hit. Sad but true. Hit. Don't tread on me. Good enough to be a hit. The Unforgiven. Hit. I mean, so yeah, if your issue is hit records, well, then I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I'm sorry things are so good that everybody likes them. The Black Album. I mean, it's like when I always say complain about people, dude, stop bitching about music producers, because really what you're asking for is less art. Everybody else's taste in music sucks. It's terrible. They hate, they just don't know what they're listening to. Your favorite artist gets big. Oh, dude, sellouts, hate them. Can't believe they did that. I'm doing this with Tiger Woods God. right now. I'm doing this with Tiger Woods in golf right now, and I actually told a guy who, uh, his name's Chris, he listens every day, and I actually told him this on Facebook the other day. I'm actually being a music snob about golf right now, because everybody's on the bandwagon. And I'm torn between, yay, like my thing, and get out because you only like the hit. You know what I mean? I am. I'm torn right now because it's like everybody, now everybody wants to be a golf fan. It's like, yeah, where were you a year ago? I think, I, I, like, maybe as I've gotten older or whatever, like, that is just such a, and it, dude, it was me to a T when I was 19, when I was 20, when I was young, when I was like, oh, dude, you don't know anything about music. I got all this crap you've never even heard of and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like looking back on that, like, what a pretentious dick. Like, what a, what a, like, who do you think you are thinking like, oh, black album, shut up, dude. Yeah, again, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna tip the hat to the music producer on the uh, on the black album. His name is Bob Rock, and uh, you can Google it. Bob Rock's uh, dude, his lineup is pretty good. You know, another record Bob Rock produced that people want to trash is Doctor Feelgood by Motley Crue. Now, don't you think it's a little coincidental that Motley Crue never sounded better than they did on Doctor Feelgood? I realize it's not the best record, but they never sounded better than they did there. And Metallica, again, not my favorite record, the Black Album, but they never sounded better than the Black Album. Too now, cool. why is that? Because Bob Rock knows what he's doing. Now, Bob Rock was also in the studio during, um, I think, that that terrible, like, saying anger. <laughs> I think he was in there for one of those. So, you know, take that for, uh, you know, what it's worth there. But Bob knows what he's doing. Music producers know what they're doing. They absolutely know what they're doing. And so uh, I did. I grew up a huge fan, um, a, a, you know, a Metallic fan, huge, huge fan. I've seen the band. Somebody just asked me. I think it's at least six times I've seen them. Um, I've seen them be great. I've seen them be awful. I mean, but, you know, they've been out that long. What about the time they played the parking lot for you? Oh, God. Okay. All right. You know what that, I, was that a Cliff Burton show? Was Cliff around for that one? I wasn't even, I wasn't even, uh, I wasn't even planning on going there. But I got to tell you, that is, that's still, like, that must have been, God, that's going on 15 years ago or something like No, it can't be that long. But a long time ago now, and it's still what I hear about most, which, I guess I should start doing good shows, right? I was going to say, we got we to start raising the, raising the... Start moving things up the hill. I do have an update here, and i got to thank at Gators Blake on Twitter. He's, uh, he is. listens every day. He sent me this. Um, but now out of Canton, Ohio, where a man here, Joseph Rod, 55, is now chasing charges of inducing panic. This was over the bomb threat that was made at the Pro Football Hall of Fame this last week. Police were called around 11 a.m. on Friday regarding a possible threat at the hall. And they went as far as to evacuate the facility as a precaution. Now, police determined that the threat was not all that credible at the end. He pleaded not guilty in court this week, but he had been arrested. And uh, and of course you evacuate the building. I saw Have people to. online like, what are you going to do? Oh, my to. God, you evacuated the building? I saw people calling that soft. 
It's like, guys, if one person loses their life in there and you didn't evacuate, that building is shut down forever. Yeah, and I mean, what's the? I mean, assets and liabilities here, dude. Yeah, what? What? What'd you lose? What'd you lose? Um, and you have to treat everything that comes across your desk in situations like that in the moment as credible. Now, I'm glad that the officers went in, and I'm glad that uh, you know it was it was shown to be a a false threat. But in that moment, you don't know that. You you got to err on the side of caution here. I I can't be mad at the at the Pro Football Hall of Fame at all. No, I would absolutely want that building evacuated if I was working in there. I, 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 you probably don't have this information in front of you, but this is another Pro Football Hall of Fame story that I, I, I'm wondering if we've gotten any update on. Have you heard anything about uh, the Hall of Famers saying, oh, we're not going to come back to do the do the Hall of Fame weekend until you give us you know salaries and anything? Have you heard anything about that? I have that? not heard anything else come about that. No, um, I, I, that's interesting because I have not heard an update on that. And when some... When some of those people are coming out and saying that, you got somebody had to be like, "Well, guys, let's start having conversations. We can't have this out there. You don't want the P, the bad PR out there." But I've just googled it and I'm not seeing anything come up right away on that, so I don't know that now. Now I think that's something that's probably going to take some time. It's not like they were just going to one way or the other come out the next day and be like, "Okay, we'll give you what you want," or we're not giving you anything. Shut up. It's probably going to be a, a, back and forth. A, a yeah. I was going to say a, a kind of a long term thing here, but I, I definitely. I look forward to that update to see what the Pro Football Hall of Fame's official stance on that is. Everybody's all excited about football season, obviously, as we're already underway here in Northeastern Ohio because that's why people, you know, because people are saying, look, you guys got yourself a quarterback there in Baker Mayfield, and actually he cracked the top 10 in something. We'll tell you what that is, and we'll also get you hooked up with $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream. 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We have $1,000 for you. Momentarily, you'll get that. We'll give you a keyword. You'll text it to 200-200, and you'll get rich. Well, I mean, not rich, but you'll have a little money for the weekend. How about that? Right around the corner, which, by the way, Thursday already? This week flew for me. Thursday, September 27th, bro. Like, it's it's going by quick. It's already 9 o'clock in the morning. Time goes fast when you're having fun, right? Flies by. I'm playing golf today for the, like the first time in a week, and I need to get it back together. I'm playing in an outing with my buddy Tracy on Saturday. And uh, I need to get it back. My game the last two times I played was awful. So I'm hoping uh, I'm playing with my buddy John tonight, and I'm hoping he normally kind of is like, oh, dude, that's see, you're back doing that again. And so like he normally helps, you know, kind of turn me around. He, uh, HA, and I are all going to go out and play. And HA, obviously, where I took my lessons, he normally gets me turned around too when he's not looking at his phone covering his bets. And uh, that's where we're going to head here right now, actually, because I'm a little worried about my bet. I bet the Browns on Sunday getting two, they're getting two and a half on the road. Now the lines moved to three, so now I don't know what to do. Do I just stick with my bet at two and a half, or do I go back over top of it and lay a bet getting three to cover it to make sure, you know what I mean? But it's like, eh, if you bet it twice and then they lose by ten, and so, you know, I don't know what to do there. I'm a little nervous about my bet. I think they have a shot to win this game, but I think that means it's more pressure for Baker Mayfield because most people are going, ah, you're going to roll the Raiders. And now if you don't, like... The Browns didn't win a game for 635 days, and now all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we're going to win. Like, the expectation is win on Sunday. Isn't that amazing? For a team that won one game in two seasons, all of a sudden you just expect to win on Sunday? I don't know if it was Friday when we talked to him or Monday when we talked to him, but Scott from Winning for Next Year brought up the point of one win, and now all of a sudden look at the expectations on this fan base. Are they realistic expectations? No, of course not. I mean, you know, expectations set happiness. And we talk about that all the time here on the show. Yeah, we're big into that one. Um, but 
I, I see what you're saying of like, well, now the pressure's kind of building on him, but I also think he probably feels like he's playing with a little bit of house money in the sense of I won that game last week. If I lose this week, yeah, it'll suck, but like it's not it's that's not gonna cost him his job. If, no, it, it won't. No. No, pretty much no matter what happens, I mean he would have to be an absolute one hundred percent train wreck for Baker Mayfield to lose his job. They can lose that game, and especially if it's somewhat competitive, if, if it's it even close, because then you can sell yourself on the we're we're on the build. We're right. on the men. We're on the build. And like, that would be true. A little bit a little bit a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of success, you know, whether you view the ties, whatever, but but you've got to win. You've got a, a forward moving offense, you've got the the ability to to believe in a guy again. So like I know what you mean that that there's more pressure on him, but at the same time, I feel like there's probably a little bit less pressure on him. Hmm. There's a way to spin it both ways. That's and true. There is. And there is. That's, That's a two-man why show there's for two you of right us. There. It's a two-man show. That's why there's two of us. But yeah, there's a way to spin it both ways. I think it's actually a little bit more pressure. Now, what I will say thus far about Baker Mayfield, he kind of likes it. And this was one of my problem with Johnny Manziel. Is you could, I always said about Manziel when he had the helmet on, you could see it in his eyes. He was terrified to be out there, bro. Terrified. Because he knew he didn't have it. Where Baker kind of comes off more like, yeah, give me the goddamn ball, bro. I'm a gamer. I'm gonna, dude. I'll get out there. I'll make it happen. I was a little wrong on him on that. He does kind of have that moxie. That that that's smoke is what I've been calling it. He does. He kind of has it, and he can't take your eyes off the kid. I thought we reached for him at number one. I still feel like we reached for him at number one a little. But if you're like again, like Colin Coward said about him the other day, who was down on him in the beginning too. But if you're thinking on Wednesday, now Thursday, if you're thinking on Thursday, like, I can't wait to see this kid on Sunday, he's something. Like, he's something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do, deny it? Because, no, we all feel that way. And luckily, I think most of the Cleveland Browns players feel that way as well. Here's a, uh, here's a little bit of them talking about Bigger Oh, Mason. nice. I didn't know A little, know bit, a little bit of them right nice. here. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's a football player. Jarvis you know, he's Landry. He's a football player. He's a guy that, you know, extremely confident, you know, and in those situations, you know, he didn't panic. You know, he, he stepped in and stepped up, and, you know, he did what his team needed him to do. Yeah, he definitely commanded how to ask a quarterback typically do, uh, regardless of what year you are. Uh, that really doesn't matter. Uh, I think his performance is what showed more than anything that he's different than the previous quarterbacks, uh, rookie quarterbacks that we, that we have had. But I still think it's one game, or really a half. So he's still got a lot more to show and a lot more to prove. He's very accurate, you know. He's, I think he's just a great quarterback, you know. And uh, obviously having a great quarterback helps the whole offense, clearly, you know. And, uh, yeah, like I'm really excited for us to just to keep this going. He went from walk-on to a Heisman Trophy. I don't think that's Demarius Randall. Yeah. And just with that being said, I mean, um, you can tell that he just has the poise, that he is not looking to just win one game. He's not looking to just be, oh, the first game, the first win in 600 days savior. I mean, uh, he is looking to take this team to the next level, and um, and we is going to be here to help him. That position, you know, is, is the face of the franchise. So um, you kind of go as that guy goes. And um, he has that, I've said it before, magnetism about himself. Um, he's confident, you know, um, and he likes to play. And I think he likes to lead. I think he has a, a leadership quality that a lot of people don't have when it comes to leading men, and he's not afraid to do that. So I think that's a good thing. The sky's limit for him, really. Uh, you know, he's just, everyone thinks, you know, just, just because, you know, we're either rookies or second-year players, you know, we have still a long way to go. And some people do. But I think, I think the sky's limit for him. I think he's a great person, great quarterback. Did you sense so, yeah, they're, you know, team, head coach, all kind of rallying around Baker Mayfield. And what are they going to do? I mean, of course, you're right. going to say these things, but I, I do think there is 
I do think there is a buying in right now. And I said it earlier that definitely the fan base is doing it. And I guess it's debatable on whether the players are doing it or not. But I think you saw the proof was in the pudding in that second half and the difference it made when you had number number six in there. Like it, you could just see a, a change in the game. You could see a change in the way those dudes approach things. I'll tell you what I what I don't want is I keep seeing this. We'll trade Tyrod Taylor. Guys, it's a long season. What are you doing? You don't trade away your insurance policy. How many times have you seen a quarterback go down in season and have it go off the rails? Oh, yeah. Tyrod's at least an NFL professional who knows how to run an offense. Is he a little bit more cautious than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, maybe. But maybe that's what that is, is smarts. Maybe what that is, is intelligence and Tyrod Taylor knowing I'm not Baker Mayfield. And knowing, dude, knowing what your limitations in life are is what do I always talk about on, on the program? Self-awareness. Know who you are. Know what your ceiling is. Know what your limitations are because that is how you're going to get the best out of yourself. I think that it would obviously either have to be injury or just a gangbang of awful for Tarod Taylor to make it back out onto the field, and I hope he doesn't. I mean, at this point, as somebody who really did want Baker Mayfield to sit the entire season, I I, I, I had to, I have to change my position. I don't want I want him out on the field every snap now because if not, obviously something went very very wrong in the in the you know. I agree. I would in, have to change in, my in, opinion in the, too. In the coming out party of him, it's great. So point. so if 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 Taylor ends up back out there, like I said, I hope it's by injury as opposed to by poor play. And really, once that happens, once either Taylor goes back out there or Drew Stanton ends up out there or, 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 or whatever, we've lost the season, right? I mean, it's at this point, yes. what, are we, what are we talking about? And you're right, because injuries at least like, wow, we'll get them back. Where well, poor play is like, oh, God, we did it again. So I would agree with that. Um, I think they got a shot to win. He's now uh, cracked the top 10 in jersey sales. Now, of course, he's a quarterback. He's also now a quarterback of a team that has been like, I mean, we're like America's team for the opposite reason. Because it's like, oh, man, they're just kind of like, look at them. They got pluck. They can't, you know what I mean? Like, we're one of those. Where it's like, I think there are people rooting for the underdog story here. And oh, yeah. obviously, I'm sure tons of people in Oklahoma bought a Baker Mayfield Brown jersey. I think tons of people in Oklahoma. I think tons of people in Northeast Ohio. Because you got to think that, too. A lot of people are probably sitting on the fence of like, oh, what do I do? Do I get a Baker jersey? Do I get a Taylor jersey? I don't want I don't want to undercut Taylor. I would get a Baker jersey right out of the gate. But once, once that pin was pulled and it was like, yo, dude, Baker's the guy. Of course, dude, people around here were 100%. Like, man, my girlfriend got, she got a, a Baker sweatshirt, and she got this actually before before the season started, so I was kind of like, alright, but uh, one of the guys she knows at work works for the Browns, so oh, like, yeah? she was, so he was like, hey, you want this Baker jersey? And you know, it's sewn on and everything, like that authentic Baker jersey, and she's like, hell yeah, I do. So I, I think there's plenty of people like that who are just waiting for the all-clear to go ahead and be Baker Maniacs, and Obviously, now's the time. I, uh, I've, I've heard people tell me that they're having trouble finding Baker Mayfield jerseys. Now, again, I said this earlier on the program. I don't know for sure. But one of the places you're not thinking about checking, I know like people said, ah, I went to Dick's, I went to Kohl's, I went to Target, went to all these places, right? And I'm sure there's Baker Mania. So running, running out of those things, I could totally see possible. I would try the Pro Football Hall of Fame NFL team store. They sell merchandise from all 32 franchises in there, and my guess is, being in Northeast Ohio, somebody went, let's be smart and make sure we're double-stocked on Baker Mayfield jerseys. I would hope. I don't know that to be true. Looking at you, Jim McCris. Yeah. Come on, Jimmy. They got Jim McCris jersey. Who knows? Has Baker Mayfield done enough to make (laughs) you spend the money on a jersey? No, not yet, dude. I mean, at this point, uh, you still got to give me some time. As a guy who thought we reached... 
if in fact I leave the studio, I'm too busy today, but if I leave the studio tomorrow and I can get to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and they have a Baker jersey in my size, I will be the owner of a Baker Mayfield jersey tomorrow. I'm big enough to admit when I was, oh, though, what if he goes out and throws 27 picks? It was a half a game, bro. It was a half a game. I know. Uh Hold hold back, dude. Uh, To me, I don't even know if I want to spend money on a Miles Garrett jersey yet. And the dude's actually done something. It's like, yeah, I got to give this guy some time. Right. Well, Phantom, have you not been paying attention for the last four years? This whole show is about how I'm an idiot. (laughs) Just just The whole thing is like, hey, look at the poor decisions I made this week. That's all we do in here. You know what's a good decision? What's that? Taking this keyword we're about to give you, texting it to 200-200, and winning $1,000 on Rock 106.9. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword BANK to 269. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We'll end the program in a little while by passing out those machine head tickets, playing the Agora, October 22nd. We'll get you hooked up with those. It was about, I bet it was under a month ago, but somebody had asked me, Hey, man, you're a really big fan, and I'd be interested to hear, because some other people around the internet have been doing it, what are your top 20 favorite Kiss songs? And I'm a real fan. Like, Rock and Roll All Night is, I hate that song. And I've never understood why Shout It Out Loud wasn't the bigger of the two records. It's a, it's the same song, just better. You get Paul and Gene, but for some reason, nobody wrapped their arms around it as well as Rock and Roll All Night. I've never gotten that. Never understood that. But I'm a huge fan. And as a matter of fact, my top 20 is still at Facebook.com slash Stansberry Show. you have to scroll down a little bit, but it'll be there. And so I've been going down the Kiss rabbit hole since then. As a matter of fact, I created this playlist at iHeartRadio, where it's like 60 Kiss songs that are like non-hits. It's like deep track stuff. And I've been using it at the gym a ton. So I've been like back down the Kiss rabbit hole. And I'll do this like once every like three years. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, you love this band. Let's, you know, let's get in here. Isn't it weird how things that are your favorites very often you can be like, eh, I dude, I've, I've done it enough with them. I've dude, heard it many. enough with them. And then all of a sudden you go back and you're like, holy crap, dude, this is amazing. Especially when you get away from like Love Gun and like that kind of stuff. And you go back to like, oh, yeah, man, Almost Human's really good. Not for the Innocents, really, really good. Like that kind of stuff, right? And so I've been doing that a lot. And then I didn't know this, but a couple of days after that, I didn't know this was coming, but a couple of days after that, they're like, hey, we're going to pull the plug. We're done. Farewell tour. Now, I have a farewell tour short from the year 2000. (laughs) So we're talking 18 years ago, this band told you they were going away. And yet now here we are going, we're going to go away. I still don't buy it. But now a lot of people are saying, man, yeah, if Kiss is going to do this, we want to go out on the road. We'd like to go see it, obviously. One of our favorite bands would want to go see it. But people have issues with the fact that Paul Stanley's voice is still not up to snuff. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not. I've seen him a ton. I've seen... I was saying when we did this the last time that I saw him 13 times. I've recounted. I'm pretty sure it's 15 times I've seen Kiss Live. And the last couple of times I saw him, Paul wasn't great. But he was still good enough. He was still good enough. And if this is really going to be it, then I do want to be in the audience, and I want to see it. And Paul Stanley, born in 1952, I believe if my math is right, makes him 66 years old. So how great do you think he's going to be? But now, this is one of the problems with Kiss, right here. And Paul and Gene are both guilty of this. They've been famous so long, and they got famous so young, that they forget that, dude, you shouldn't say that out loud. 
And Paul Stanley said, look, if you want me to sound the way I did on Kiss Alive, then put on Kiss Alive. Bro, don't tell your fans that. What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do that. That's not good. I mean, acknowledging that, like, he does... I mean, it's not like he's saying going out there and saying, like, dude, I just don't have it anymore. It's going to suck. It's going to be terrible. But, like, I think acknowledging that's probably not the worst, right? You know what? I'm reading this versus hearing it, so there's a chance maybe I took it out of context. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm applying some of this. It's just, dude, I know Paul... I mean... I don't know him personally. I mean, I've interviewed him, but I don't know him personally. But I know this dude through like being a fan. I read the book, do all this stuff. Dude, they're both kind of egomaniacs. I mean, it's well known in the music community that Paul Stanley's kind of a dick and kind of like difficult to hurt, you know, to work with. You know what I mean? And I said this the other day about the final tour. I said, don't be surprised if what they do in the middle of it, in the middle of the tour, Paul Stanley comes out the way he's always done. How you do, people? Got a surprise for you tonight. Ace Freely. They're going to do it. You know they're going to do it. And as a matter of fact, Ace Freely said the other day, I'm totally down to do it, but nobody's asked me. Hence, nod, nod, wink, wink. Of course you are, dude. What else are you doing? Of course. Hey, yeah, I'm down to work. Getting I need paid, a job. Getting paid $6,000 to be the best man at, at the I Love It Loud uh, wedding chapel in Vegas is what Ace Freely's doing. And now Paul Stanley's saying about the idea of former members joining them on stage. He goes, I can't promise anything, but don't rule it out. Meaning they're in negotiations, meaning the lawyers are trying to figure out how much money it's going to take for Ace and Gene to figure out how to be on the same stage together and not kill one another. It's going to take enough money to get Peter to want to do it because what Peter's going to do is what Peter's always done. Ace is the easy one. And then Peter's going to go, well, I'm the linchpin. If, if you really want to do a reunion, I'm the one. And now you got to come over, board, uh, over top and pay Peter Chris way more money than he should get. Peter overplays his hand every time. And this is why every time it doesn't work. Because either Ace or Peter just can't realize, dude, it's Paul and Gene's band. And really, at the end of the day, it's Paul's band. It's always been Paul's band. It will always be Paul's band. It's just the way it is. But they're going to do it. Now, I have an idea okay. for what I want the final tour to be. Okay. And this band is way big enough for this. I've said, if this is going to be it, then go all out and give me my tour. Right? So play some deep cuts for me. Play Almost Human. Play Got Love for Sale. Do it. Play Come On and Love Me. Get a little deep with the catalog. Come on. Do it. Right? And everybody said, nah, nah, we want to go too. We need Lick It Up and Tears Are Falling. We need all the hits. Right? Okay. So here's what I think you do. I think you play less dates or less cities and you do back-to-back nights. And you give them, here's the hit parade, and then, hey, Kiss fan, show up tomorrow night, and we'll obviously, we'll pepper in some of the hits, but we'll give you an honest-to-God fan show. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions that surround this band right now. You know, uh, will the original members return? Um, yes. Will will yes. will will they play? You know, the songs that Stansberry wants. And no. really, I mean, are they going to be able to re- go out there and essentially recreate one of the great moments here in Kiss's history? Play this audio right here. I hate you. Why do you hate me? This is your wake up call. <laughs> <laughs> Are they gonna play it? People want to know. This is like having erectile dysfunction for me right here, <laughs> in front of the entire city. That's what this is like. Sorry, baby, it just long go. God damn it, dude. 
kind of wanted to make him sound cool. You know what I mean? You're gonna the get, best, man! You're going to get Let Me Go Rock and Roll. <laughs> pretty aggressive there. Creatures of the Night. War Machine. They're going to do it all. The Folgers commercial. And Fantone gives you Folgers. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much the point where you bail right there. Pass out those machine head tickets, and you won't believe how one kid in America just scored himself $31 million. Would you make this trade? We'll find out next on Rock 106.9. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We'll pass out these machine head tickets here momentarily. They're playing the Agora October 22nd. We'll put you in. 1-800-243-7625, the number you'll need on those. Also, Teresa, shortly after 10 a.m., has your next opportunity to score yourself $1,000. That will continue on Rock 106.9 until 9 o'clock this evening, by the way. Nice. Speaking of money. Yeah. This one's tough, okay? Because I would want $31 million. Hell yeah, I would, dude. Like thirty one. All right, whatever it is, yeah, I want it. I want thirty one million dollars. Okay, right. I want fu money, and I consider be, with uh, thirty one million would be fu money. Like uh, people, well, you know, a million doesn't go as far as it used to. No, you're an overspender who doesn't know how. To, you know what I mean? If you give me thirty one million dollars, I can make it last the rest of my life easily. Yeah, yeah easily. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now this kid got it. Okay, that's good for this kid. He's getting thirty one million dollars. But it was because they botched his circumcision. Ooh. Yeah. A lawsuit was filed by his family. It says he was 18 days old. This is back in October of 2013. Ugh. So about five years ago. When part of his penis was severed Ugh. during a circumcision that was, op- uh, that was performed at Life Cycle Pediatrics, that in Riverdale, in Georgia. Now, the attorney for the family, Neil Pope, says nobody recommended emergency surgery to fix the problem. Nobody, nobody thought, dude, my kid's dong just got chopped off and I'm not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to take somebody, we're going to second opinion on this one. I mean, we're talking about a, 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 a about an infant's penis. I mean, isn't this like finding a contact on a white floor? Jeez. <laughs> I mean, like, how, Jeez. I mean, what are we, what are we, what are we looking for there? Now, obviously, the lawsuit's claiming that the boy suffered pain. Yes. He'll have a lifetime of mental anguish. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, As a matter of fact, most guys, if they're going to be honest with themselves right now, would be like, "Eh, dude, I've been a little self-conscious about my penis, even though I don't have that problem. So now you add in now half of it just been lopped off. Nobody recommended emergency surgery to fix this problem. The lawsuit says, uh, yeah, no, like I said, mental anguish. And there, but he's been awarded $31 million. So let me ask you. Are you making the trade? I mean, dude, million. you're financially stable for the rest of your life. You're a pretty reasonable guy, so yeah. dude, your kids could live off that. Th- you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. It's generational money. There's no doubt in, 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 in the opportunity that you'd be able to give your children there. Because I think you're still pretty much the same guy if I give you that much money. But uh, am I the same guy if you take away my penis? I don't know. If you take away half of my penis, I do not know. What I'm going to say about that is if, if as I stand here right now, would I do that? You're 34. Possibly. Would I would I trade that off at, at 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 birth or as a child or anything? No, because essentially I don't want to say like my penis's best days are behind it, but like I mean, well, you know what I'm saying. Like, Not even married yet. Sorry, honey. But 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 there is that thought of like 
you know, I've already defined myself as a man. I've already like I've already like become who I want to be and okay. like done those things. If you are going into your life with now a mangled penis from childhood, mm-hmm. a lot a lot of masculinity, a lot of who you are, a lot of how you define yourself, you're going to have that question in your mind of like, dude, am I something wrong with me? You're never going to be able to have like a healthy meaningful relationship because you're always not never, but you're always going to have harder. it's going to be a lot harder for you. You're always going to be self-conscious of like does she does she think I'm a freak? Does she think I'm a weirdo? Oh my gosh, you know, the, so, so as a 34 year old, maybe I would make that that sacrifice. But dude, as a 34 day old, I, I, I can't. Uh, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. And um, is there not an argument for you're going to grow up and this is the only penis you've ever known, and so you don't know? Oh, you're going to know. You're going to know that you've got some sort of a mangled dong eventually. Of course you are, dude. Uh, there's there's no denying it. Is that right? Dude, you're standing there with your dad in the shower, and it's like, wait a second, mine doesn't look like that. You're in the seventh grade, you're in the locker room, you know, everyone's making boner jokes and stuff, and you're like, wait a second, mine doesn't work like that. Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. Sure, maybe at age five, you don't necessarily have a good a good grasp on that, but like, when you try to get a good grasp on it, all of a sudden, it's going to be like, son of a bitch, man. Yeah. All right. I think you sold me, but yeah. I got to tell you, man. 31 million? I know. It's a lot of money. Your boy's orally gifted. I can still, you know what I mean? I can still get things done for, for, for the other half there, and we can have the money, which is probably what she would rather have me have. Right. I was going to say, it's already a source of disappointment. So. You're a complete letdown. Get the You're a complete and utter letdown. Get that $31 million. I don't want to go to work anymore. All right. We have Machine Ed tickets yeah, October 22nd. Cleveland Agora, world famous there. We'll, uh, we'll send caller number 20, 1-800-243-765, the number you need on those. Aside from that, we're done. However, stick around. Like I said, Teresa, the Midday Diva, is going to get you hooked up with $1,000 shortly after 10 a.m. Other than that, we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 106.9. Have a great day. See you. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 106.9.